her mother on a billboard 40 feet tall in Times Square or splashed across the front of the New York Post, no child quietly minding her own business in her own space in her own town deserves to be so grotesquely embarrassed by a 56-year-old parent who should be planning her retirement. But thank you anyway, New York Post. By the end of Wednesday night, when The Weakest Link had aired three times, 52 million people had seen the show. Nielsen reckons that one in five Americans had at some point tuned in. The Weakest Link, eight contestants in a semicircle answering general knowledge questions. Each round, one of them is voted off. As they play, the money bills, but only one of them can take the money home. The strongest link can win up to $1 million. Fast forward a month. The catchphrase has entered the language. The ratings are soaring. At the Lakers playoff game in Los Angeles, the Staples Centre is packed. Jim Gray, the NBC sportscaster, guides me onto the court for a half-time interview. Ahead, I spot a familiar face. His gold teeth are visible, his grin infectious. You're one mean woman, Mike Tyson whispers in my ear. Alongside him, sprawled on his chair, another familiar face gives me a lazy wink. I must be dreaming. It's Jack Nicholson. Did you call my woman mean, demands my husband of Tyson. The champ has nothing to fear. At 54, Johnny is not only supremely unfit, but also so Italian he would rather trade his woman than dirty his suit. But I've no time to linger or worry how the threat's received. We are on air. The interview is to promote the Weakest Link basketball special to be played during the finals. The crowd acknowledges me. The roar is deafening. These first four weeks in America have been an incredible ride. In the Ivy restaurant in L.A., a woman comes to our table, apologises for disturbing me, but says she wants to tell me how much she loves my show and how she tapes every episode. Penny Marshall, no less. In my book, the very finest female movie director. In Elaine's in New York, fellow diners rise to their feet and applaud as I leave. At the Radio City Music Hall for the upfronts, where TV networks show the advertisers their wares, I host live a brief version of the game in front of 5,000 people. The station's head of entertainment announces that the British game import, the weakest link, has changed the face of US TV. For the finale of the event, the talent gathers backstage and prepares to take a final bow. Martin Sheen and the rest of the cast of West Wing come over to congratulate me. Kelsey Grammer from Frasier. The Today team, Katie Couric and Matt Lauer, do the same. Back at my hotel, there's a request for me to open a concert in L.A. with Britney Spears. Might Emma just think that's cool? Or will she be more impressed that I chatted with Shaquille O'Neal on Tonight with Jay Leno and that NSYNC passed my dressing room, hoping to meet me, or even that at lunch at the Four Seasons restaurant, Henry Kissinger waved. I want her to be proud. I hope, too, that my mother is looking down and smiling, because, as you'll learn, 
I didn't always give my daughter cause to be proud of me, and I didn't always give my mother reason to smile. Fifteen years after a mother has left the earth, there's a grown-up daughter standing in a shop, saying petulantly to a saleswoman, "I know it looks nice, but I don't wear purple." Why doesn't she wear purple? Because, as a little girl, and then as a bigger little girl, a voice was saying, "Don't wear purple. It's for old people." The same voice that said, "Once you go into brown." You never wear anything else, and short-sleeved jackets are common, and pull your shoulders back and don't frown. And when the little girl had stopped frowning, rejected the purple outfit and the jacket with short sleeves, but was still undecided between the green dress and the blue dress, the final.